Amen. Amen. Well, man, we are in a series called Committed to the King. Committed to the King. Like jumping all in, sold out, ready to go after Him. Committed to the King. That's the series we're talking through. And what does that mean and what does that look like for us? Last week, we started with committed to worship and uh, not just the musical portion of our day or our week or our month, but uh, the whole of how we live our life. Committed to worship and being able to celebrate in every facet of your life the greatness of who God is, all right? That was last week. We were walking through Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and learning a little bit there about what it means to celebrate Him in each and every one of your life moments. Every single one of them, may God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, amen Amen to that. And and, uh, there was a huge opportunity for us to begin to explore the depth of what that all means, right? I just thought this this might be as good a time as any to give you the update after last week where I said, hey, I'm going to be talking with some doctors and getting some information. And just so you know, did meet with doctors early in the week and we got some information there. And, and uh, I will say the information is sort of complex and there's some other things going on and some more decisions that need to be made. So we'd appreciate continued prayer. I will be uh, continuing to meet with doctors. We got a couple connections this week to try to line up some more details. And, and uh, there's a few different options that are going on. Like I said last week, uh, this is pretty definitely going to be some form of radiation treatment that has to go down, and, and we'll try to reason through that and make sense of that. So as we know more details, I'll let you know, and, and uh, God's timing on all of this. Like I had a, uh, an endocrinology appointment back in February that I ended up having to cancel in order to uh, go through the surgery that I went through, you know? And they're like, well, the next time we can get you in is like August 17th, you know? And you're like, are you serious? That is like forever away, Right? Well, that happened to be like three days after we got all this information and then needed to sit down with. And so God knows what he's doing, right? And all of God's people said. So I love those moments of your life where you see God just lining up little details together. That's huge. So for us, as we're walking through this, just be praying that, um, that I hold things together wisely and that we think well along the way, and that we make good decisions. So we've got a lot more information coming this week, and maybe over the next week or two, we'll just kind of see how all that rolls, and uh, we will definitely keep you informed along the way, all right? Committed in worship no matter what, and all of God's people said, all right? And that's where we're headed with it, and today we're headed to the second week of this series, Committed to Our King committed to our king. In fact, today we're talking very specifically about committed to serve. Lord, what does it mean for me to give my life to you so that you can be lifted up? Committed to serve. And uh, so turn with me, if you will, to Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 3. Romans 12, starting in verse 3. And we're going to talk through what it looks like to be committed to serve. First point here, be humble and unified. Be humble and unified. He starts out in verse 3, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, 
He says, for the grace given to me, this is Paul talking, he is an apostle, God giving him what he does not deserve. He's like, listen, man, I was a Pharisee. I was going after killing Christians. I wanted to make nothing of Jesus Christ. It was going to be all about me. I was trying to get my name up in lights. I was going after things all the wrong way, and God poured on grace and blessing. He gave me such opportunity to see and to be transformed And to be able to even now be called an apostle, he's like, for the grace given to me, like even the title and the position I'm carrying, well, I'm coming from that position of humility of myself and the grace God poured on. Notice he's not like, because of my awesomeness, right? He's not saying that. He's like, because of the grace given to me, God pouring it into my life. I say to everyone among you, Now, he's writing to the church at Rome, right? And he's like, I'm saying this to every single person in the church at Rome. This is all believers. He's writing to how many of them? All of them, right? Every one of them. And this is like every believer is what he's talking about. So really, this is also you and me. As we start to hear this challenge come out, he's like, I've got this challenge for believers. Everybody just say, this is me, right? And here's the challenge he's got for you. He's like, for by the grace given to me, I say to you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. Okay. So just so you notice, the word think is repeated three times right there in that little set of phrases. Uh, That's a lot of times to repeat a word back to back to back. He's like, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. He's like, let's talk about where your mind is at. And let's talk about where your attitude and your heart are at. And uh, three times over, he hits the word think. He's like, let's not think more highly of himself. More highly, like, don't get all up in arms about how great you are, right? Like, don't, on the high end of life, it's not like, you wouldn't believe how important I am, right? Why aren't they thinking more of me? How come I'm not getting more attention in this area, How come it's not my turn to, why am I not getting, they should be more, I should be more, right? Fill in the blank with however, wherever you're at, but it's like, watch the ceiling on the I'm so awesome moments, right? Like, watch out for the high end of it, but then he's like, Maura, don't think more highly than you ought to think. Now he puts a floor on it. Like, remember, man, this isn't saying you should walk around every moment of every day and be like, I am completely worthless and God can't do anything through me and there is no hope. I am nothing. And everybody say, not that. Right? If you notice, that is actually a false humility. God does work through us. God does make impact in our lives. There are moments where we can actually be a part of something God is doing. And it's not that we're all that great, but God is using us in that moment. And so he's like, man, don't get all way up here in it, but don't miss out on the bottom side either. He's like, more highly than you ought to think. There's role that we play. There's opportunity that we have as we hand ourselves over to God and say, Lord, do what you want in and through me. Please hear me. When we're like, God is doing and can't do anything in me, we are unwinding what God is actually doing. It's not true. God does huge things in each of our lives. And if we begin to underplay even that, we're lying. We're not telling the truth. He's like, recognize what God is doing, but don't get all up in yourself. Right? 
watch out. There's a high-end mistake. There's also a low-end mistake. He's like, don't think more highly of yourself than he ought to think, but think with sober judgment. Think with sober judgment. Now, this word sober, we hear it a lot in our society today, right? When we hear the word sober, the opposite of sober is drunk, right? And uh, he's like, man, be careful. Make sure your judgment, make sure your reason is not impaired, Make sure you've got the ability to wisely, reasonably walk through things, seeing yourself rightly before your great God. No impaired judgment. In fact, the word built into this sober judgment is actually the word wisdom. It's built into it. Like this is all about being able to be wise in who you are, not wise in your own eyes. Everybody say that goes terrible, right? Not wise in your own eyes, but... Lord, help me grasp who you are and what you're doing and what you want accomplished. And uh, wise thinking, reasonable thinking, not too high, not too low, grasping what God is doing in this world and in your life. And that is a huge walk of faith. And in fact, he even says right after it, Do not think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Like, watch how God is at work in your life. Look at what God is doing and assigning in. This faith that he's bringing to you, this this recognition of the greatness of Jesus Christ and the smallness of you. Let's start with that part of faith first. Like, my God is awesome. Like, I have no hope, but I have hope because I am. Jesus Christ, he is showing me and revealing to me the greatness of him as God Almighty. And yes, it is small me, and yes, it is huge him, but God has it in hand. Man, I'm just telling you, that measure of faith alone starts to settle our thinking. If you keep walking around with that thinking, there's no way you get all up in the, man, I am awesome, right? We start walking around and we're like, man, I need a savior. And boy, do I know a great God of the universe. And it just level sets. That, that faith alone But then on top of that, the faith that comes as God starts to work in your life, as he gives gifts into your life, as he reveals into your life, and the daily working with your God where he starts to call you along a path and he works with each of us so individually in that. And all of God's people said, so individually in that. And as he's working with you, hear from him. Let that moment of impact that's being spoken into your life, the faith that he is whispering in, that is God-given, that's revealing some of your hope in him and all that he's doing in and through you, man, make sure that fuels the fire of your proper thinking, your wise thinking. I'm telling you, you cannot have wise thinking if you lose sight of the greatness of God if you lose sight of our sinfulness, if you lose sight of the need for him as savior, but more than that, if you lose sight of the fact that he comes in, comes alongside and works with us in our brokenness and takes us along a path to eternity with him. Praise be to God. And man, the gift that God pours in from the very beginning of understanding him 
all the way through to those little inner workings as he gives a measure of faith, different ways and different amounts as he pours into your life and lets you know he loves you and he's right there with you. Make sure that your thinking isn't too high. Make sure it isn't too low. And make sure it is anchored in the wisdom of God working in you. It has such a huge impact on us. uh, He says, uh, even according to the measure of the faith that God has assigned. Please note that God is sovereign. God is in charge. And he's assigning and he's pouring in these measures of faith. It says, for as in one body we have many members. For as in one body we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. For as in one body, we have many members. Like, you think about your own physical body. Go ahead and look down at yourself. It's okay right now. You look down, you're like, okay, I got arms, I got hands, I got fingers, I've got legs, I got, right? I've got these different pieces of me. We are a very complicated system, right? And every little portion of our body has its role. And these systems all play together to accomplish and each part has its own responsibility. And in fact, if you go to other passages of Scripture where they talk about the body, you hear comments like, what if the body were one giant eye? Or what if we were only an ear, right? Or what should the eye say to the hand? I don't need you. And right, those kinds of comments in the rest of Scripture where it's like, make sure we're super clear. Our body has a lot of different parts and those parts are all very helpful. God knows what he's doing, right? And that's a huge deal for us to grasp the benefit that we have of the many members in one body. And uh, he's like, just make sure you grasp that in a way that begins to affect even your humility. Many members, lots of different roles. God, what are you doing uniquely in my life? Lord, I'm ready to work with you, right? I'm just going to tell you the world kind of has this certain way of talking about self. And, uh, you know, I was worked in the business world for 17 years. You kind of walk into the room and you're like, all right, here's how I'm awesome and here's how I can help you, right? This is the world's way of talking, right? I want to let you know that I've got some thoughts and here's some things that I can accomplish for you. And if you come with me, here's what I can get. We'll call that, like, that's sales moment, Right? And like, I want to help you understand what I can get done for you. Here's what I bring for you. And if you come with me, look what I can. And man, I'm telling you, you need me at the next level. If you promote me up, man, oh man, are you going to get, right? This is the world's way of talking. And it becomes a language that quite frankly, over time, we get sort of used to it. And in fact, it even starts to become a little bit of the way we start talking. And we begin to communicate the way the world talks, just so you know, God actually says, make sure I get the verse right here, but Luke chapter 14, verse 10, Luke 14, verse 10, he says, invite yourself to the foot of the table, trust those in leadership around, and you will be called up in the right time. Do you hear the difference? Walking into a room and being willing to serve the room, what needs to happen? I'm taking the lowest position I'll work here, I'll work around in this area, I'll do the smaller pieces in God, whatever you see fit, and whenever you raise up, then I rise up with that. I'm just telling you, there's a lot of satisfaction that comes and a lot of security that comes with being able to very wisely, 
Walk along trusting your God to place you where he wants you when he wants you. Instead of walking in and battling for self, I'm going to walk in and battle for Jesus Christ. I'm inviting myself to the foot. And if he goes, dude, what are you sitting way down there for? Come on up. Well, that's a moment. And you're getting confirmation. And down with the world's view of selling self. And up with God's view of invite yourself to the foot and humbly serve around. And as you are called up, may God get all the glory. Man, that is a massive deal. And I'm telling you, this is a huge commitment around here. We walk this way. We think this way. When we're looking for people to be raised up into small group leadership, we're not looking for the person who walks up and goes, dude, you need me as a small group leader. That's not what we're looking for. We're looking for the guy who's in small groups, humbly serving and making it rock and helping people and caring for people. And he's just knowing how to love and knowing the word. And he's showing some respect and his family together, getting it together. And we're like, let's call him up. And when we're looking for people who are coming on staff or coming into eldership or deaconship, we're not looking for people who walk in and they're like, you know, your elders would make better decisions with me in that room. Like, that's not what we're looking for. We're looking for the guy who's like so serving in this community and grasps what's going on and being raised up through levels. And as scripture says, being tested even over time, working through various forms of and God blesses in that life and we end up calling up. That's the think and the mentality of this church. You might not know that. So there's a news flash for you. If you came from a church where it was like, no, sell your thing. And uh, just so you know, that ain't here, man. Luke chapter 14, verse 10, and we go after it hard. So it's serve well, watch God move. It affects your humility like you wouldn't believe. Serve where God places you. Get called up in due time and watch God be the center of your everything. And all of God's people set. Huge deal, all right? So he says here, you know, there's... One body with many members. He says, so we, though we are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, so are we. The one body in Christ, all believers, one body, and yet each of us has so many different skill sets and gifts. And uh, please hear me on this. When we talk about spiritual gifts, there are talents which you get when you are physically born, right? And you might be maybe more athletic or more intellectual or you might be more artistic or whatever that might be, those talents that come when you are physically born. So when you are spiritually born, there are spiritual gifts that come in that the Holy Spirit um, deploys into you and through you that you might make an impact in the church. That's a huge deal. You and your giftedness are a unique member of the singular body of Christ that you might be able to make an impact. God giving you into this community to be able to make an impact for him. And Paul's like, let's make sure we're super clear on this. Humility, humility, humility. Not deprecating to the level of falseness, but humility. Making sure that we walk along wisely following through with all that God has poured into our lives, including the unique spiritual giftedness that he has given you. If you have trusted Christ as Savior, he has placed a unique spiritual gift in you. And there is a wide variety and range to that. And what role is he calling you to and through? Huge deal to be able to go after it. As we target going after things, I just... 
I thought of this illustration this past week here. So in our bedroom, we have some steps to get onto the bed, some steps to get up onto the bed. That is for our dog. (laughs) It's true. We have three steps because he's so little that when he used to jump and dumb enough that he would jump and hit about halfway up and fall off. And he just did that over and over again, repeatedly. He would just jump and fall and jump and fall. And we're like, he is seriously got a brain damage. Like, <laughs> let's buy him steps and see if we can train him to walk up the steps. So he walked up the steps, and once he learned it, now he can get up on our bed anytime. And I know what you're thinking. That is really a first world problem, <laughs> right? Isn't it? But, but the reality is, we ended up getting these steps. We, he, now he can get up and down off of the bed anyway and any time he wants, and The problem with those steps is they kind of stick out a little far. So like when I'm making the bed in the morning, I clip that thing so many times, man. And a couple of times I've literally, I think I broke a toe on it. I told you that before one time, broke a toe on that. Like that thing hurts, man. And so here's what happens now every morning when I get up. I'm walking around and I see it. I'm like, not going to kick that thing. And I'm staring right at it. And I walk right around it. And I notice this. About two weeks ago, I get really close to that thing. As I'm looking at it going, not going to get close to that, I get really close to that. Like sometimes my toe actually grazes. I'm like, what am I thinking about? I actually have this conversation as I'm making the other side of the bed. What am I thinking about? This is like the ninth time I've come close to that. Why would I do that? And I'm just telling you, I read this a couple weeks back. Um, You will always get close to what you're looking at and what you're thinking about. You will. In fact, I saw a picture of a guy in like 1908 who ran into the only tree in the entire area in Arizona. And they asked him, what happened? And he's like, I just didn't want to hit it. (laughs) So I was looking at it, and I drove right into it. I mean, that's who we are, man. Deal with it. We are humanity. And what we look at and what we think about is what we walk into. Question. Are you ending up saying, I will not think about me? I'm just telling you, putting the word not in front of it doesn't fix it. It will always be about me. I will not think about me. I will not, it will not be about me today. I will not make sure that I'm not trying to get the most attention. I will not, I'm telling you the entire time, you're just going to be like, why aren't they giving me more attention? Why aren't they looking at, why aren't they? Because you are saying it all about me. Your words need to become, it will be about Christ. I will honor him with all I've got. I will go where you call me to go. I will reach out with all I've got. I will humbly serve, Lord, whoever, wherever, bring it. I will do that. And as you put your eyes fixed on that, I'm telling you, God will draw you right to it. And it will be amazing what he does. Be humble. Be unified. Notice I did not put the nots in the command. It's the positives. Be humble. Be unified. Get your eyes fixed on Jesus Christ and on serving him with all you've got. Forget about me. And all of God's people said. That's the first step. Be humble. Be unified. Second, use the gifts that God uniquely gave to you. Use the gifts that God uniquely gave to you. He says here, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, 
let us use them. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. This is the spiritual gifts I was talking about. This is the, if you have trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, if you believe that He has died on the cross and risen again, if you confess Him as Lord, you're in charge of my life, God. If you're saved, Holy Spirit takes up residence and He begins doing a work in you. And there is, is a spiritual gift given out. Not maybe, there is. The Holy Spirit does something in every single saved person. And what's God doing in your life? What work is he doing? What impact is he bringing? What insight is he bringing? What passion is he stirring to be able to raise you up in being able to be used for him? Your God doing a work in you for his glory. That's a huge deal. As we begin to wrestle with the grace given and the difference in them. Our job is not to be looking at the guy next to us and going, how come I don't get that gift? Right? It's, God, you've given me something very unique. I, I, I know where you're headed with this. I'm going after it. Or maybe you're like, I, I don't know, God. I'm not sure what you're doing in my life. And we'll talk about that in just a second. He's like, having gifts that differ by the grace given to us, please note, the different gifts are not because of different effort levels by the people. The gifts given are because of God and his giving, right? You know how when you do like Christmas gifts for your kids and you're not like, all right, that's it. Everybody just gets the same thing. And then all the kids open up to say, well, just open it up all at once because it's all the same thing, right? That's not what we do. We like uniquely pick based on who they are and what's going on and what stage of life and what their likes and dislikes are and then you give the gift accordingly. And God's doing some of that as he works with us, uniquely designed and so now uniquely gifted. God working with you. Okay, huge deal. Huge deal. He says, let us use them. Let us use them. Like, don't just take the gift and say, thanks a lot, and then sit on the side with it. May we make an impact in the church for Jesus Christ and his kingdom. Let us use the gift given. And uh, God, may I exercise into this church community in a way that honors you based on how you have poured into my life. I'm ready to go after it. It says, let us use them. Just so you know, in the original language, that phrase isn't there. Let us use them. If you look in the phrases after it, notice how there's no verb in all of them. It says like, uh, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, there's no verb. It's just like statements, nouns, and prepositions. So the verb that's intended is use it. And so they put it up front. They put this phrase there, let us use them, man. And then here's the different things that come in list form, all right? Make sure that we're using the gift that God has given. Make sure we're practicing out how he's enabled us to be a help to this church. Remember, we are one body, many members. And God has gifted you potentially to be a unique role in a various area. And the people all around you don't have it, and you do. And you can be a great help into this body as you serve your king, right? He says, let us use them. You might be like, I'm just telling you, I have absolutely no idea what my spiritual gift is. I don't know how to figure it out. And so let's just talk that through for a moment, all right? Uh, how do I know what my spiritual gift is? How do I know what my spiritual gift is? Number one, 
What are your passions? What are your passions? God is not going to give a spiritual gift into an area where you have absolutely no passion whatsoever, right? Like, that's not how he works. It's going to dovetail with how he's already made you. So what are your passions? And uh, number two, where do you excel within the church when you serve? Where do you excel? Notice there's some experience statement to that. Where do you excel? If you're like, I've never really served in the church, then let me just say this. Then jump in and start trying an area. Commit to maybe a call it a six-month period of time and see how God blesses into that and walk through that. And maybe after the six months, you're like, well, maybe this should be a switch now. I'm learning a little bit here and I'm shifting a little. And so then you jump into another commitment for six months to a year and, and commit to a time though, right? It's not like, all right, I'll commit to that. You step in and one weekend you're like, not that, right? Not jumping in and out too fast, giving God a chance. I'm telling you, I scored so low when I used to think through my gifts and uh, shepherding was like off the charts to the bottom, but it had nothing to do with the fact that I wasn't caring for people or didn't have a caring heart for people. It had to do with the churches that I was in did not have shepherding roles that were available. I wasn't exercising that part. And as I got into it, as we got into ministry and started going after it, I was like, I love shepherding. I love being a part of that. And it skyrocketed up to being my top. And that's just what happens. We learn as we go. So figure it out, jump in. If you're like, I really don't know, then just jump on the hottest needs at the time. And uh, right now, there's, there's going to be needs in the area as we start up ministries to launch this year. So we're going to have higher ground things going on. We've got Awana things going on. We've got Fuse and Fuel and Ignite things going on. Massive ministries going on in our children and student areas that could be a great place for you to plug in and finding a variety of opportunities to plug in there, right? Where do you excel? And... Uh, Jumping in and giving some things a shot. Number three, uh, what would others say? Be like, all right, dude, I've decided I'm working with the four-year-olds. I'm going to go after it. And they're like, you? <laughs> Seriously? I don't think that's a good idea. And you're like, really, why do you say that? I think I see you push little kids down. <laughs> like, I don't, Right? I just made that up, so don't worry about that. That's not a real person I'm thinking of right now. If you're sitting there like, he saw me push a kid down. It's not you. I just, just made that up. And, uh, but like, where are you at? And maybe people are actually saying, no, you know, that probably isn't the best match. I would affirm it more in this area and get a little bit of feedback from people. See what they say, right? So uh, where are your passions? Where do you excel? Uh, what do others say? Uh, here's one, number four. Um, be careful with this one. Right? Don't spend a lot of time here, but what bothers you? You'll be amazed that your giftedness will give you insights to the way things should be in that area, and it'll frustrate you that things there aren't getting done exactly the way you would do it if you were in it. And the what bothers you thing, don't spend a lot of time there, because otherwise you're the guy walking around the church always just upset, right? Don't camp there a long time, but I'm telling you, it really does reveal. There was a point where we were in a group years back. This is different church in a small group. We were going through giftedness, and uh, this came up as one of the elements to be able to know. And one of the guys was like, I don't even get it. This is stupid. And I said, what do you mean? And he goes, clearly, everybody cares about the chairs being straight lines. And obviously, we were in a room where you had to set those up. He's like, clearly, that matters most. And I'm like, wait a minute. Are you saying that what gets taught doesn't matter? And he's like, not as much. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's heresy. 
but I really disagree with you, right? And the reality is he was so into helps. He was so into organization. That mattered so much to him that we'll get the things right over time. We'll try to work it through, which I really disagree with. We're going to get the word right, and all of God's people said, and that's my passion, and I go after it hard with all I've got, okay? But I'm telling you, the things that tend to get to you may be actually indicating an area of giftedness. Don't camp there long, but it might be telling you something, all right? And then the last one, I'll just throw this one out there. There are gift surveys out there. Um, Not a big fan of them on a lot of fronts, but I will tell you there are ones that can help sometimes. Here's a freebie one. It's called spiritual gifts, plural, spiritualgiftstest.com. You can go there. They'll ask for your email to be able to send you some info, but it is free. And uh, the reality is they're just walking through your experiences, They're going to ask you questions about your different levels of experience. So the spiritual gifts tests, all those are doing are going through where have you served and what kind of things are you seeing as feedback and trying to dig into the other three or four things, all right? So the reality, God has gifted you. Become a student of that. Lord, what are you thinking? Where would you want me? I love to serve in certain areas. Let's get you to those areas and let's watch God do a huge work. He says, let us use them, all right? Now he starts to go in, he says, if prophecy in proportion to our faith. So he talks specifically about a spiritual gift here called prophecy, and this one can be considered a sign gift. So let me just tell you what uh, our position is on sign gifts here at Harvest, all right? Some will say they've ceased. Uh, We would not say that sign gifts have ceased. That comes from 1 Corinthians 13, 8, by the way, which says, in the end, these sign gifts will cease, But it says, when? When the perfect comes. Okay? When the perfect comes. And uh, it says that you will be able to see Christ face to face. Maybe that's not the best description of where we're at with Christ right now, being saved, right? Paul would describe it as through a glass dimly. And maybe that's the better way to understand it. I think the when the perfect comes is more about heaven, eternity with him. And when we're there, then these sign gifts aren't there. So the role of sign gifts is to indicate this one is from God. And when we have the word of God, that's less necessary. So you'll tend to see the sign gifts not shown demonstratively as much where God's word is prevalent, available, and ready to be used. Okay? And that's how we go after it. It tends to be a little bit more in areas where this is less available and a little bit less in areas where this is more available. May God get all the glory. And uh, so not ceased, but definitely measured in time. We have to be super careful too, because the Holy Spirit is all about showing off Jesus Christ, not himself. And so there are a lot of churches that get into sign gift element trying to show off Holy Spirit. And that really isn't even where he's going, right? So let's be careful with a couple of those fronts. I'll just say that's where we are in a nutshell, really fast with sign gifts, considering this passage isn't talking about that at all, right? But you know, some of you would have the questions, so let's bring it up. And deal with it. So prophecy, this is speaking forth the word of God. This is foretelling or foretelling. It can be either one. It's sharing what God is saying. So as you open up the word of God and walk through it and say, thus saith the Lord, that is a form of prophecy. That is a foretelling of the word of God and uh, sharing forth what God has to say. And uh, please notice it says, in proportion to our faith. That's a huge deal. Being able to say, thus saith the Lord, requires a massive amount of faith, hearing from God, walking with your God, listening to your God, and being able to make sure you are on the same page he is. Massive deal. 
And if you don't do that, you end up making this a huge statement of self. And so notice it doesn't say if prophecy, well then in your prophecy. It doesn't say that. It says if prophecy in your faith, make sure you hang close to your God if you're going to try to say thus saith the Lord. That's what he's saying. Okay? It's a huge deal. And, uh, next, if service in our serving. Man, if God has called you to be able to serve, if you have the gift of helps, if you come alongside and care for needs, if you see somebody struggling and you love to take it to the next step and help them, this is you. And he's like, then do that in your serving. Have that heart of humility and go after it with all you've got. And the one who teaches in his teaching, if you love to be able to walk through the word and reveal out what God's word says for practical statements of life and living, being able to get it clear, then, then this is you. And uh, in your teaching, make sure you use it, right? The one who exhorts in his exhortation, if you're challenging, if you love to come alongside and say, come on, man, we can do this. Let's get this together. It has a form of encouragement to it, but also a, let's get off of that. Let's get on with this. Then, then make sure you do that with your exhortation. And the one who contributes in your generosity, I love that. Notice now he veers. He could have said, and the one who contributes in your contributing, but he doesn't say that. He says, the one who contributes in your generosity. Now he speaks to the heart. Please don't give just to give. Give because you love to lavish on and you love to see that the things that God has shared out with you, you can share with another. Praise be to God, your generosity. May your heart be spilling over with the love of the ability to give. I love the gift of giving. It's so who our God is. It mirrors from top down all that he does in our lives. And the gift of giving so keeps a church running in so many different ways. It may be monetary. It may be with um, physical elements. It may be coming alongside with meals. It may be whatever little thing you see the yard needs to be cared for. And you jump in and do that. Serving helps. Giving all coming together. And this gift of giving becoming so generous in the midst. And then he says... And the one who leads with zeal. Notice it does not say, and the one who leads and is leading. And the one who leads with zeal. Man, make sure as a leader, if you are gifted as a leader, that you have passion for what you're going after. That you are excited for where God is calling you. That you are calling people to it with a vim and a vigor and a zeal that says, let's go get after this as God has called us. Watch God move. Man, that's leadership. Leadership where people are stirred to be stirred about the thing you're stirred about, right? Like, let's go after that. And don't just lead, but lead with zeal, excitement, and fervor, and passion, for your God. And uh, the huge deal is we go after it together. He says, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. If you come alongside of the hurting well, praise God for you. And keep doing that. The mercy heart, seeing the hurting soul and coming alongside and giving into that need in whatever way possible. And please notice, it doesn't say, and if you do acts of mercy, then in your mercy giving. It doesn't say that. 
It says, then in your cheerfulness, be careful, you're going to hang around where there are a lot of heartaches, where there's a lot of hurt, where there's a lot of struggles. Make sure that you keep a cheerful heart in the midst and you're giving out of recognizing, not that God is failing in some way, but that you have a privilege to come alongside with God and care for this one hurting. Hey, mercy hearts, hear me. Love you and so love how you pour in. Don't let it drag you down. Cheerfully giving into this broken world, knowing that God is doing a work in, through, and around you in that moment. And all of God's people said, these are the gifts that are listed here. Now, there are more in a couple other passages, so why don't you just write these passages down, and I'm not going to go through it here, but it's good for you to walk through it, all right? Um, first here, Romans chapter 12. These are the spiritual gift list. Then 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 gives some spiritual gifts. And then Ephesians 4, verses 11 and 12. If you get those three, you're starting to get the list of spiritual gifts that's made up within Scripture, and you can kind of get a little broader view to start to understand where maybe God is stirring you along the way, all right? So what does it look like for us to serve, committed to serve? Lord, may I be humble and unified. May I be ready to go after it with all I've got. And Lord, may I use the gifts wisely. May I jump in where there are needs and may I use what you have given me for you to get all the glory, right? Committed to serve. Please hear me. God has given you as a gift to this church. Ephesians chapter 4 talks about the spiritual gifts and it doesn't say he gave the, gave the gift of apostleship or pastorship. It says he gave of some to be apostles, pastors and teachers and evangelists. The bottom line is he's giving the people you are the gift to this church. What's your role and what's God calling you to? 